Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 51 Memory Transcription Subject Captain Kalsum of the Krakotal Alliance Command Date Standardized Human Time October 17th, 2136 Dry air buffeted my face as we disembarked amidst tall grass. The shuttle crash was bound to attract attention from the humans. I imagined this place would be swarming with troops if it was anywhere near a military base. We had no idea where we were or how many predators were in the area. My breaths were strained as the three of us hauled Tyon's body across the savannah. Sparse trees started the vast plains, and a few beasts roamed the landscape. None of the orange predators zeroed in on us, but they were definitely something to avoid. I couldn't see any bipedal human shapes, but it was a matter of time before we ran into one. It's much easier to fly than walk. We need to find some place to leave Thion, a place to shelter, and to sleep would be nice. On our left, a bank of clay and sediment led down to a small pond. I was thirsty, but given that there were more bright-colored predators bathing in it, I'd stick to our rations. With how tired I was, I didn't feel up to exterminating any threats now. This place is infested with predators. Only a few artificial structures, Zahn grunted. I studied the doctor's grimace. I don't think humans cull their predator population at all. This is what happens when you don't have an extermination officers. Can you imagine living in a planet like this? What an uncivilized world. This alien hellscape would be a host to all kinds of nightmarish murder beasts. The vicious creatures around us had lean, nimble forms and fangs that put the sapient primates to shame. Most humans were unlikely to set up shop in predator territory. It could be a very long walk to civilization, from this wilderness. After a brief pause, we began the laborious trek towards the far-off treeline. The expanse seemed to stretch for kilometers, with no sign of the nearest settlement. This region's heat was punishing, making me want to collapse in a puddle. No wonder the human spur had evolved away. We need to put this dead weight down. The fossil intruder is going to get us all killed, Jala spat. I glared at her. I don't leave my crew members to die. There's wild monstrosities everywhere, and the humans could do anything if they stumbled across him. So what? The rations would be better spent on people who can walk and fight. Lives are not trading chips, Jala. Haven't you killed enough people today? I'll leave Thion when there's an appropriate spot, hidden and secure. A cave or any kind of cover would be a welcome sight. There was no locale devoid of predators to stash Thion. Leaving him in the open to be gnawed on by a cast of beasts wasn't an option. It was unclear how much energy any of us had left. Our flock might have to camp amongst the demons soon. I was relieved to spot a breaking point in the grass. There was an uneven dirt path, which had faint vehicle marks in its silt. That meant Terrans did stray to this region, from the safety of the metal cage. At least we could communicate with human predators. An isolated one could be threatened into giving us supplies or shelter. Zahn looked at me with watering eyes. Kelsum! Captain! The Tikan doctor, heaving at strained breaths, and placed Thion on the ground. He bent over, trying to catch his breath. Fear was swelling up in his amber eyes. 
the realization that we were stuck on Earth amidst livid humans was settling in. Humans definitely visited this place. Jala scanned the red arch in front of us with the prototype visual translator. Their writing says Renthambor Tiger Reserve. I'm guessing those orange predators are Renthambor Tigers? Alarms awakened my senses. Reserve, you say? Like an area set aside for a specific purpose? The humans intended for this predator growth to happen, Jala. No, I think so. It is peculiar. Why would they want rival, stronger hunters on the loose? Even the sociopath seemed stumped by my question. Such animals were not conducive to modern living. Maybe the humans wanted whatever prey the tigers prioritized for themselves, and snatched it away from them once the hard work was finished. It didn't make sense. There were much easier ways to feed their hunger than by stealing from ferocious fiends. I was certain a species with guns could hunt without assistance. They like the chaos and violence, Don panted. This human war tribe could want to keep out dangerous visitors, especially their own kind. We might be in most vicious nation on the planet. I didn't know what the truth was, but I was going to assume it wasn't anywhere close to that. The doctor lacked crucial understanding about humans. Their society was too structured for a state entity to stoke chaos intentionally. It must be something more philosophical in nature. Given how many galactic regions were organized against predators, it could be that Terran saw hunters as deities. The Krakotl's farming goddess, Inatala, brought plants to the universe to feed her children. Predators were considered a perversion of a natural order, who turned to Malthus, the god of violence, out of greed. Our reality was the eternal struggle of good and evil. I strayed from the faith once I became an extermination officer. The priesthood had a way of twisting the goddess's teachings. None of it matched what the written beliefs. Maltos wasn't an inhibitor of empathy, but merely an agent of destruction. We had seen their predators were violent and greedy, while not without some positive qualities. I, uh... Think this is some kind of worship center, I decided. Maybe somewhere to pray surrounded by carnage, for hunters to success. Oh, for some expansion of war. Charla chuckled. A religion devoted to bloodshed. How interesting. It is interesting, actually. This is why I wanted to preserve their culture. Because we understand their kind so little. We've become enthralled with violence and killing ourselves. Been trying to be pure. The doctor called his lip. A brutal race doesn't deserve any legacy for their culture. I'm enthralled with the punishment of the wicked, not killing thyself. Your motives are rich with hatred. It poisons you, I hissed. Now, let's get moving before the sun finishes setting. The group hobbled away from the reserve in an uneasy silence. There was no telling where the road led, or what animalistic carnage lay ahead. A more spiritual crackodal would see this as a temptation by Natala. AI had never intended to get up close and personal with the human territory. Our mission was supposed to be impassive, distant. This is a test of my soul, regardless of my divine presence. We must face Earth's horrors without surrendering our values. As we progressed past the clump of trees, my heart detected a faint sniffling. It was accompanied by sporadic gasps. So I figured it must be a predator crying. Jala cued in on the sound as well and drew her side off. The female crocodile looked eager to kill a mock beast. Sympathy tugged at my heart and perhaps a bit of regret. 
Every human was mourning the devastation we caused. What right do we have to disturb it? Something told me that I was outvoted, though, so I raised my weapon. The flesh eaters were too dangerous to leave on the prowl. Well, we were out in the open. If a single extermination was necessary to safeguard my people, so be it. I gestured to the set of injured fossil on the graft. Zahn, watch over Thion and alert us if any other predators are approaching. I can't wait to see your extermination skills in action, the doctor chuckled. Jala clicked a beat. These skills, calcium is soft on humans, but don't worry, I'm going to crack its skull. I expect you to be as silent as possible. We don't want it to know that we're here until we have it cornered. Also, let me ascertain some information before you offer it. But if I want to scare it, the sociopath drawl. The human is not a stable state of mind now. We could go into a fit of rage in a womb. Let's not push our luck. We just need its shelter. The female crocodile girdled neck in disdain, but took cautious hops forward. My feet glided across the leaves, and I took care to avoid any twigs. A fabric dome supported by stakes and earth was established amidst the clearing. A single human was stretched out on a blanket. It appeared to be watching videos on a handheld device. Terror swelled in my chest as my instincts urged me to not approach. The feeling subsided upon drawing closer. Secondary observations swayed my emotions. This primate was a lesser stature than indicated in Noah's data dump. Its skin seemed untouched by aging, and its register lacked the booming growl of males that we'd spoken to. If I had to hazard a guess, this human was an adolescent. Perhaps it was crying because it lost its parents. That would explain why it was alone, and had wandered to predator-infested territory. My thoughts began racing with unpleasant images. It took a great deal of effort to push them away. I stopped a few paces from its blanket. Put the electronic device down and slide it to me. Don't even try to alert any, uh, fellow beasts. The human startled and pointed a tear-stained eyes at me. Its lips parted with alarm. He flung the device towards me like it burned to the torch. Video footage was still playing on the screen. As Predator Angus described the loss of life in a city called... Bangalore. I wondered if that was the kid's home. Please, tell whatever you want. Just, just, just leave me alone. It whined. That begging was rather unbecoming of a predator. Maybe it hadn't become desensitized to bloodshed yet. I focused my gun barrel, careful not to keep my grip too close to the trigger. Me just want to talk, I lied. What's your name? The beast swallowed. Organ. And your age? You don't look like a human adult. No, I'm twelve. Uh, uh, we're not grown-ups till we turn eighteen. Jala traced her gun barrel across the furthest chin, snickering as it shied away. The fear in its gaze twisted my heart. The little beast still had years left of adolescence. It looked harmless, helpless even. I knew that was deceiving, but it still had an effect. Little predators become big predators, and reproduce exponentially, my mentor's voice said in my head. I stared at the shaking primate. Hey, eyes on me, Arjun. Why are you out here? Uh, Dad thought it was a good place to hide. He, he, he said you wouldn't target the parks first. Arjun croaked. If this is the end of the world, we, we, we could spend the last days outdoors. T- together. 
All right, I know humans care for their children. Where is your father now? I, uh, my dad is a, a wildlife photographer. He, he wanted to get some animal shots with the space battle overhead. It'd be a damn good picture if we... If, if you survive. The predator bobbed its head emphatically, and more tears streamed on its face. The kid's distress was apparent. It would be merciful if I limited the scope of my questions. I didn't want to prolong its suffering. Jala couldn't be allowed to botch the job or make a mess. Hush. What if there was a way to curb the human's full-grown instincts? Putting the trigger on Arjun. That extermination broke my heart already. It would grow into something terrible. But now, it was innocent. It wanted its father. I struggled to steady my voice. You're doing great. Can you just tell me what this place is? We are rather curious about the predatory wildlife. National parks are, are like animal sanctuaries. We preserve species that are threatened or have lo lost their natural habitats. I... Those orange tigers are menaces. They need children like you. Tigers don't bother you unless you bother them. They're, they're majestic animals. Lots of people tour this place and there's resorts, campsites, hiking. Disbelief flooded my veins at the idea that humans wanted to stay in such a dangerous venue. To think that the locals went out of their way to preserve monsters. Arjun's tone had been reverent, but not religious. Did predators find thrills in challenging superior counterparts? I cleared my throat. Thanks. That's all I need. Finally, the talking is over. So, I can kill it. Jala trilled. Ah, uh, well, it. It's binocular eyes pleaded with me. No, I, I helped you. I stared at the colorful leaves on the ground, avoiding its gaze. The reds and oranges reminded me of the raging inferno, sparkling across a pool of gasoline. The little pups squealed through it all, and the frail silhouettes writhed in agony. I felt like I was watching my handiwork from the truck bed again. When they looked at you with those big eyes, you wanted to help. But you didn't. You wouldn't. I couldn't help but feel that our mission had been wrong. The thoughts of how the predators tugged at my talons playfully was still a vibrant memory. Looking at Arjun, it was impossible not to recall that first extermination. Younglings didn't deserve merciless death. Captain Kalsam, Jala squawked. I blinked. Leave the predator alive. It's not a threat. Not a threat! Zahn's voice made me startle, as I found him looming over my shoulder. It is an offshoot of a flesh-eating barbarians! What kind of extermination officer are you? Doctor, I told you to wait with Thion. Well, I was worried you would do exactly this. Predator lover! Jala, you don't have to listen to him. Kill that thing! Arjun was curled up into a ball, shielding its head with its elbow. The female crocodile's eyes twitched, and I could sense her temptation. I had to reel in the rebellious sadist before I lost control. Admitting my actions were born from sympathy would be suicide. I am no predator lover. How dare you! I roared shoving my beak into Zahn's face. I'm a skilled extermination officer, while you're someone who sits on the sidelines. Talk is easy. The doctor stiffened. You just said that thing is the only bargaining chip we have. Humans value their children, so keeping it as a prisoner is the logical choice. Maybe we can make them trade us a spaceship, food, medicine, you arrogant fool. The Takan gulped nervously and slunk back a few steps. He stole a glance at Arjun, 
before swishing his tail in defeat. Jala also scrutinized my enraged form. I met her stare with several seconds, goading her on. She lowered her weapon. Using their kids against him. A shield, maybe. I like it. I knew you would. I exhaled a silent breath of relief and turned to the doctor. Sedate this human's arm, you like you did with Marcel. Adjust for weight, I need sleep, and I can't watch a ravenous predator. The Tukan nodded and filled a syringe with a light sedative dose. I watched which vial he grabbed, making sure he wasn't loading it with poison. The physician handed it over to me for administration. A quick jab plunged the needle into the human's neck. Hopefully, it was only a light pinch. It should knock Arjun out for a few hours. When I was rested and able to think again, I would be able to deal with the predator. There was no telling how long it would act obedient. The greater challenge would be restraining my companions from tormenting the child. We failed to eradicate the earthlings, and its continued survival was simply an admission of failure. There was no reason for our stranded crew to dole out needless death. End of chapter. Chapter 52. Memory Transcription Subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date Standardized Human Time, October 18th, 2136. The UN fleet deposited me in a cell on Vendel Prime, and without warning, the predators stopped visiting me altogether. Based on the claw tallies on the wall, I calculated that it had been at least a week. The Venlil guards were colder than the humans. One of them spit in my evening gruel and muttered a curse against my depraved soul. Against all odds, I found myself missing Carlos and even Samantha. I kept busy by contemplating the Arxol's interrogation and how to refute their absurd story. There had been a reconciliation between the Terrans and the Federation. It had required an unthinkable cost, but the Gojit government was swayed to the human's corner. Unfortunately, Prime Minister Piri's death was confirmed by UN ground forces. Her final transmission could only achieve so much. I offered to bargain with the Federation for them, but then the humans abandoned me. They're just gone, I mused aloud. If I strained on my hind legs, I could peer between the windows to the capital below. Venal Prime was a massive planet that dwarfed the likes of Earth and the Cradle. By comparison, I had a shorter orbit and a slightly higher gravity than the average world. Interestingly, much of this landmass was inhospitable. Sunlight never touched half of its surface, leaving it too cold for plants and animal life. Its bright side was the opposite problem, too scorching hot to sustain water sources. There was only a thin space between the extremes to build settlements. Mineral scientists searched for new ways to push the frontiers with various methods to cool their planet, they manipulated atmospheric reflectivity with aerosols, built an artificial upwelling system in their ocean, and used cloud seeding to generate rainfall. It took colossal effort to keep the gears in motion. Not all species are blessed with a perfect home. If it weren't for sentiment, Mandel colonies are much more conducive to habitation. The sight of human predators walking about became more frequent over the past few days. Many Vendel would give them a wide berth or cross to the other side of the street. I wondered why Earth was suddenly sending so many people abroad. Such a widespread presence was a lot to ask of their friends. A pointed cough came from the other side of the cell door. Enjoying the view? Looks like you've had plenty of time to study the intricacies of Vendel society. I whirled around to see Samantha, with her auburn hair tied back in a knot. 
Her pretty eyes were unfocused, as though her mind was elsewhere. The anger in her voice bore a cold aspect than last time I saw her. My instincts pronounced her demeanor a highly threatening. Was there something I had done to infuriate humans? Or worse, were they becoming corrupted by the Arxel? Hello, Sam. I thought you guys had forgotten about me, I answered. She bared her pearly fangs, eyes dilating in a flash. My friends call me Sam. You are not my friend. Right. Sorry. That you should be. Bootsteps sounded behind Samantha, and I breathed a sigh of relief as I recognized Carlos. For a moment, I thought the female had snuck in alone to assault me. Everything about her start screamed that she was thirsty for blood. Maybe it was simply not seeing the human in days, but I felt there was some substance to my reference. There was a jingling sound as the male guard slid keys into the door. The spark was gone from his brown eyes, and his subdued mannerisms were uncharacteristic. The last time I saw Carlos, he was ribbing me, then striking down my thoughts at every turn. There was no sign of playful mockery or admonishment now. My signs bristled in alarm. It might happen to both of you. Something's wrong. Carlos gave me a wary frown. Earth was attacked by the Federation. Over a billion dead. Don't pretend like you care. You got what you wanted, Slovlin, Samantha growled. Horror washed over me, and I sank back onto my bed. No wonder the humans were upset. I remembered what it felt like to watch the cradle burn, to grapple with the loss of my home and my culture. Why did the Federation have to piss off the only species to defeat the Arxor? There was a time where I wanted to cripple the Predator's breeding grounds. That derogative terminology still rang in my ears. When I turned myself into the UN custody, I was expecting to witness a brutal society. Instead, Earth amounted to a decent people going about their daily existence. It was a structured planet, rich in life and culture. That's not what I want to know. I nibbled at my claws with anxiety and tried to keep my expression submissive. I'm sorry for your loss. I uh, know what it's like to be in your paws. Samantha clenched her fist. Of course you do. You caused your world's death while trying to kill us. Just like the Krakotl. You're right. We brought it on ourselves, and I know that. We were horrible to humans, more so than any apology could ever excuse. Yet, you showed mercy and compassion. Feck mercy! The rest of our fleet went home, but we get tethered to you while Earth is under siege. How is that fair? It's not. But I have no say in that. I can see you're hurting her. If it makes you feel better to quarrel with me, then uh, I encourage you to do so. Samantha turned her back in disgust. There was no way for me to offer amends that would satisfy her. All the same, my concern for her mental health was escalating. I knew how grief could swallow a person without a proper outlet. I cast an inquisitive stare towards Carlos, looking for direction. The male guard's nostrils flared with pent-up frustration. Had the humans only visited the extol their anger on me? I'm glad you're both okay, I added, breaking the icy silence. I hope some of Earth was able to hold out. Carlos nodded. We drove them off uh, with help. Help? From Vendel? Sure. And other interested parties. That is a vague descriptor. Who else would have come to rescue humanity? Carlos waved for me to follow him, and the absence of his snarl was striking. It was like the guards had received a personality transplant. Both seemed infused with hatred and impassivity. 
though one was directing it at me more than the other. I was frightened of what the predatory emotions could compel them to do. Dark thoughts raced through my mind as I tried to recall why I trusted these predators. Their heroism on the cattle ship seemed a distant memory. My eyes widened in alarm at consideration of the rescued. They reminded me of the Gojids on Earth, cared for outside of large metropolis. What happened to the Gojid refugees? I blurted. I'm sorry if that's selfish, but I have to know. The male guard sighed. The primary camp was brought to Venlo Prime when we started moving human evacuees. Most are safe. That is, uh, positive news. How many humans did you evacuate from Earth? Millions. We've known the Venlo for all the three months. Some people prefer to ride it out in a bunker, or were banking on us to rout their forces. Stop talking to that racist, delusional prick like he's your pal, Samantha spat. Carlos, I thought we had this conversation. The olive-skinned human crossed his arms. I'm being civil. There's a difference. Not wanting to sow more division between the duo, I kept my other questions to myself. That did explain why the human presence had increased rapidly. The cynical part of me wondered if the predator influx resulted in a spiking crime. The primates posed an extraordinary threat when they were angry, and they had to be more prone to deviant behavior than Benlil. Carlos led the way past native wardens when we stepped out into the capital's crisp air. The guard's strides seemed a bit strained from gravitational exertion. The difference on Benlil Prime wasn't enough to be significant, but the humans would tire quicker in physical activities. It was another reminder that they weren't home. A pair of Gojids were waiting by a spacecraft outside, joined by several UN personnel. My eyes widened as I realized why they were familiar. It was the death youth, Talpin and his sister, Berna. Both seemed to have been in better spirits than the last time I saw them, and were carrying necessities. I can't believe that they thought the humans were going to kill the kid. First time I saw him, we all shared that thought. Hello, Captain Sovlin. The synthesized voice spoke with a word the Gojid tongue, but with a bit of human growl. Talbot must have given them the AI program with the Terran phonemes installed. Why are you being kept in the prison? You are a hero to us all. The young Gojid finished sliding his claws across his keyboard and fixed me with an expectant look. I didn't want to recount my crimes in detail. Then again, I wasn't sure how to begin translating my reply. At least Samantha seemed mollified by Talbot's presence. Perhaps it served as a reminder of her deaf brother. I deserve to be here. I made another person a... a human. Suffer, I muttered. Talpin turned his pupils to a nearby human and scanned the contortions of their fiends. His eyes widened. The Azalescent struggled to believe that I could be involved in anything nefarious. His beige claws hovered over the keyboard for a moment before he typed out a reply. My came the synthesized voice. Your deeds are spoken of in legend. You are a hero, a righteous man. You save lives. I lowered my gaze. I'm none of these things. I thought causing a predator pain would fix my problems. Berna appeared stunned as well. You sound like you're talking about torture, Sovlin. That's a vile. The humans are sweet, sensitive, generous. I blinked in agreement, lowering my gaze. The predators beside Talpin projected a fondness towards him but I could see their jaws tightening as they listened to me. At least if Berna spread the word about Marcel, my people would squash the myth of my heroism. I deserved to have my legacy tarnished, 
and to be remembered for some of my war crimes. Talpin tapped on his keyboard. How could the humans treat you so kindly? I don't know. Ask them, I answered. The UN volunteer beside him thought for a moment before launching into an empathic reply. The human translator seemed passionate about whatever she was conveying. The deaf Gojit looked impressed at what was passed on, and nodded in acceptance. He shot me a disdainful look. I cast a nervous glance at Samantha. You speak sign language. What did she tell him? The guard flashed her teeth. That you deserve to live for what you've done. That human discipline doesn't stoop to your level. Well, uh, that was a recurring sentiment when predators spoke of me. What I didn't understand was why the gods brought me to meet Talpin and Berna. It looked like the two Gojids were about to depart for a spaceship. After my disclosure, I doubted that they'd want to send off from me. I don't want to travel anywhere with him. Talpin waved his claws emphatically at the predators. Not if he tortured a human. He is a disgrace to our kind. Berna curled a lip. I second that. We both owe humanity our lives. My confusion intensified, and I shot Carlos a questioning look. Talpin seemed to think I was accompanying them on a trip, but I didn't have an inkling of what they were referring to. Where were the humans taking them? Was I actually involved? Savlin is the perfect person to pass on several messages for us. He can get you two through the door with those Colchon bastards. The male guard tossed his shoulders in a non-committal gesture. He's also the one that some Federation feckwits might believe about the Gojid refugees in war. That was a good omen if the humans still wanted peace and dialogue. Maybe the attack on Earth hadn't completely pushed them to the Oxal's side. And, improbable as that seemed, these Terran predators had a merciful side. And I hoped that we could appeal to that. I didn't sound like the entirety of the Federation was involved. The neutrals had minded their own business. There had to be some people that could convert to Terran advocacy. Other races didn't have to end up like the Gojids. Warmth filled my chest. A messenger! I'd be happy to testify on your behalf. A broker of peace with your enemies. I know about remediation. Samantha scowled. Peace is not an option anymore. Frankly, I declare war on all of the skeptics now. But we can't fight 300 species at once. At least, not yet. We're going to purge the 24 who attacked us, followed by the 14 others who voted for war. What? That, that's the message, I gasped. Carlos, he said, no. I'll get to that in a minute. Firstly. We need someone who can look into several items for us. Read this. We had it printed in your tongue, extra special for you. The female guard sneered. My shaking claws accepted the pamphlet, terrified at what the predators had inscribed. The paper nearly slipped from my gasp at once. Mournful tears pulled in my eyes. Rissal was dead, killed by his own government for siding with humanity. I had mentored the Colchon since he was a child and shepherded his development. His advice on the bridge, combined with his honor, was steadfast. I wanted him commanding my ship in my absence. It pained me that our last interactions were him viewing me as a monster. My vision burned, and I dabbed at the wetness with my fur. The humans wanted to uncover why the Colchians would resort to murder. It was unclear whether any future violence was planned against the pro-human factions, but the Predators weren't taking threats lightly. Not after Earth. The Terrans don't want species reaching out with false friendship. They want anyone who plots against them exposed, humiliated. Why would the scholarly Commonwealth be so opposed to humanity's diplomatic outreach? I was itching to demand Chief Nakona's reasons for myself. 
he came across as a fair leader, reasonable to a fault. I would have considered him the kind who would give predators a fair shake. Look into the Kolshin matter for us and find documentation of first contact with the Oxal. See what you can dig up, Carlos growled. Samantha crossed her arms. We need to know who's complicit in every scheme against us or our allies. Who's worth sparing and uh, who started this predator hatred and why? The male guard narrowed his eyes. Now governments believe that you feel remorse, that you're not a flight risk. That is what we need from you, Soblin. Uh, okay. And the message? I stammered. You implied that there was a statement to deliver. Oh, that's easy. Tell the Federation we're done contacting or negotiating with them. They never raised a finger to stop the attack on Earth. Let the neutrals know that they either reach out or to condemn this terrorist act, or they can prepare for total war. That message sent a chill through my blood. The other Gojits looked horrified as well. I needed to find a more tactful way of phrasing that flagrant threat, if there was to be peace with any species. The humans could rack up on the collateral damage in seeking revenge for Earth. End of chapter. Chapter 53. Memory transcription subject, UN Secretary General Elias Mayer. Date, standardized human time, October 18th, 2136. There was something uncivilized stirring in my soul, as heartbreaking images budded in from Earth, seeing historic cities pounded into rubble, and hearing tales of incalculable devastation was a gut-wrenching blow. It had been a mere three months since our first contact mission. In that span, 25 species had taken concrete actions to genocide human civilians without the slightest provocation. Grappling with my own actions, my own failure weighed heavily upon me. I was responsible for mankind's future, and I hadn't used every option at our disposal. What if there was something else I could have done? Was I a coward for abandoning Earth? especially to bargain with a metaphorical devil. It would take years to rebuild our home world. 112 bombs had detonated on its surface, churning up contaminants and killing more than a billion. Reversing the atmospheric pollution would be a gruesome challenge, and we would witness more casualties in the aftermath. Strange how it wasn't humans who leveled our planet. I always thought it would be us who were our undoing. Elias, we're docking with a luxury resort Titan station in 60 seconds. Dr. Comfer, the current Secretary Alien Affairs, tapped my shoulder. How are you going to be up to do this? You look unwell. My first thought was always diplomacy in the past. Brutal warfare was something that I thought best relegated to our ancestors. It should feel monstrous for a pacifist leader. To long to see our enemies' worlds decimated down to their cores. By now. I couldn't see myself restraining the generals. Their path seemed the only way. I craved the Federation's destruction as an organization, regardless of the understanding that a small percentage were involved in the attack. Their bigotry was incompatible with our survival. How many species had aided us? A mere two, excluding the Arxal unexpected arrival. The Zerulians were the only new race I cared to bargain with in the aftermath. The words of friendship other diplomats spoke proved to be empty. None of them backed us when it came down to it. The bystanders felt every bit as sinister as the Krokotl and their pals in this moment. Your head has to be in this, Elias, no matter how impossible that is, Kemper said gently. We can't afford any mishaps when 10,000 Oxal ships are still in the Sol system. I met her eyes. I never meant for them to come here. This wasn't what... 
The Greys already knew where Earth was. You couldn't have known that. For what it's worth, they did save our asses. Staving off myself, Betty, my thoughts returned to urgent matters at hand. The Arxor decimated the Krakotl strike force with an excess of arrivals. I was concerned that the reptiles had so many vessels in the sector. Chief Hunter Isif kept his fleet in orbit to protect us from secondary attacks, but I couldn't help but think that they were scrutinizing us. The unpleasant reality was that the reptiles could plunder or conquer Earth now, if they wanted. We were vulnerable, and the heavy losses left military defense sparse. The Nominian's philosophy was still reprehensible to me, a far cry from the UN's modicum of equality. However, at this point, we had to keep the Arcs all sated at all costs. So when Isif requested an audience with me by name, I chartered my first ship I could find off Vendel Prime. Governor Tava, bless her heart, squeaked out an offer to join me, but I wasn't going to place her in the line of fire. The Arxor Hunter understood our inability to accommodate him on Earth. He agreed to wait in Titan's travel lodgings for my arrival. I don't like rolling out the red carpet for someone who called the Venel a delicacy and referred to Tava as dinner. I'd like to punch him in the nose for saying that. Camper, do you think the Arxor are capable of societal change? I asked as our ship completed the landing protocol. If, let's say, they had a stable, non-sapient food source. The former SETI employee tilted her head. I don't know. The Greys weren't always like this, but they altered their gene pool. I don't know if they still have art, whether they indulge in empathy. That is a mystery. By the way, can you set up some comms link between the Zerulian fleet in 15 minutes? We have some damage control on that front. I'll do that after I hear that you're alright, from your own lips. You need to hear yourself say it. I am fine. Once these alien visitors are handled, it is time to bring every government together. Then, to rally the people behind our banner, and remind them not to give up. My shoes clicked on the decadent marble floor, and the crystal overhang reflected the colors of the rainbow from above. The glass viewport stretched the length of the lobby, complete with intricate holograms and exquisite telescopes. I observed a surreal view of Saturn as I passed the vacated concierge desk. This was considered the nicest hotel in space. For the sake of Earth's survivors, I hoped the Arxor agreed. I felt awkward approaching the suite given to Isif. There was no question that the reptile could snap me in half with his jaws, if he desired. Given the aggressivity the Arxor were prone to, and how they detested weakness, this was gambling with my welfare. But with humanity's precarious position, someone had to pacify the baby killers. I wrapped my knuckles against the door. Hello! My voice couldn't have sounded more uncertain, and I cursed my nerves. The door creaked open. A pair of slit pupils surveyed me with a pitch-black interior. Isif didn't have any lights on, which added to my unease. He towered over me by at least a foot and a half, showing teeth longer than my finger. The alien's tongue filtered. Elias Mayer. Two names, yes. We meet in person. Come in. I clasped my hands behind my back and attempted to keep my strides even. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I noticed three other oxals scattered about the living room. It was a safe assumption that they were advisors, servants, or military personnel. Perhaps it was a mistake to come alone or even conveyed that I lacked support. Thanks for your military assistance, I croaked, pawing at my dry throat. I'm sorry, do you have any water nearby? 
Yusuf tossed a water bottle at me, and I barely reacted in time to catch it. The liquid was lukewarm, but I chugged it with gratitude. The grey seemed to be dissecting me with every move, like a specimen under a microscope. There was never a plan for formal first contact with the Arxor. I wasn't sure where to begin. We were supposed to be using the greys to get the crocodile off our backs, now. Would you like our assistance with the rescue efforts? Human command indicated that your ground residents may react poorly to us walking the streets, Bissop growled. I scratched my head in discomfort. Uh, I suggest asking each nation specifically. I'm sure some would accept the offer, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you, from us all. The people of Earth are in your debt, and... The Arxel called his lip. Hey, relax. You've gone through a lot, human. Don't worry about defending us. I prefer honesty. Right, well... Many people do not have a favorable view of your species prior to this, myself included. I don't imagine that we will change overnight, especially with xenophobia abounding. Issa's eyes glittered in the darkness, narrowing to the point that they were hardly open. His nostrils flared, and he seemed to meditate on the scent for a second. His grim intensified. I wondered if he could smell my nervousness. The chief hunter's gaze moved to the holopad clipped to my belt. We wish to access your system's internet, the reptile continued in a polite rumble. My scientists here requested documentation of your hunting and domestication, specifically. It would also answer if your research is, uh, remotely professional. I nodded. All right. Though we're quite different types of predators, uh, I have no issue with sharing those search results. My holopad made its way into my hands, and I punched the keyword domestication into a search engine. An online encyclopedia article popped up on the top result, which should be a necessity. I was going to try and conceal our persistence hunting ancestry. It might make the Arxor view us as a serious threat, due to our ability to weather a war of attrition. Essif snatched the device from my grip. The hunter must be quite eager to learn about us. I wasn't sure whether the positive sign or not. Perhaps the Dominion was assessing whether we shared their child-munching fervor. They could also be checking to see if we were on board with culling our weaker population. Then I just tipped them off by admitting our disdain for them. Fascinating. So humans did use animals for labor and livestock purposes, like us, he murmured. However, you keep pets too. Lesser beings coddled for entertainment and companionship, in return for emotional benefits to their uh, owners. This is a, a normal practice, yes. This behavior is derived from pack predators' social needs, I would presume. And you care for these pets like they are a part of your tribe, I assume. Usually. Many humans struggle with living alone. An opposite to how we tire of company in swift fashion. Your affinity for the Vendel stems from his pet category, does it not? It took a great effort to refrain from the reflexive denial. I would never classify sapient beings, especially our friends, as animalistic playthings. If the Arxor could view the Vendel as mere pets... That would be an upgrade to cattle consideration. It might make the reptiles willing to facilitate the release of Vendel captives. Remember, the greys might require a predatory basis to accept our claims. Whatever concessions must be made to stall to convince them we're on the same side. Just do it. Yes. Humans love adopting companion animals, I grumbled. Isif glared at his advisors. Satisfied about the Vendel? I told you that the humans are just social predators. And those animals are misapplication of their evolution. The Arxor scientist coughed uneasily. Humans are the first documented pack predator sapiens, sir. 
It was reasonable to ask why. You are dismissed. Wonder until you are summoned, so that Elias Mayer and I may talk in private. There are discussion matters that are above your clearance level. The reptilian subordinates swished their tails and slunk off in obedience. Isif watched them depart, exhaling a hearty sigh. He pressed my holopad back into my hands and searched my gaze with his own. There was a certain trepidation in his dark orbs. He waited in silence for a full minute, clearly apprehensive of prying ears. I studied the alien's mannerisms with curiosity. Was the chief hunter expecting mutiny from his own ranks? How disciplined was Arxor Command? Something told me his private divulgence would be enlightening as to what he expected from humanity. I'm sure you intend for Earth to repay your assistance with some kind of compensation, I said. Isif bared his fangs. Oh, you will, Elias Mayer, but not today. In the future. I don't follow. That is, fact is, you don't like that we keep our prey sapiens as food. That is your entire issue with us. It violates your moral code. I'm not blind. This commander could not realize we had backed the Federation with full-throated support. We didn't want Dominion classing the UN as an enemy now. I tried to maintain my best poker face, though the Arxel seemed to see through my neutral expression. My silence must have confirmed his suspicions, but what could I say? I shrugged. We're different. Humans, well, you haven't bred out your empathetic people. I thought, uh, you could help us attain an alternative food source. His voice was hardly more than a whisper, and he looked jumpy. That is why I sent our entire sector fleet to your aid. My species could have a better future, someday, with your guidance. Beyond war and cruelty. What? A week ago, you gave me a speech about what a delicacy a vendor are. Called our beloved ally, Dinner, I hissed. The reptile sighed. Tava had some spunk for prey, actually. Don't be unreasonable. I was recording that transmission in front of my crew and also sending it home. I like my head attached to my body, human. My eyes widened. It wasn't a shock that Ox or Dominion executed anyone who spoke out against their policies. However, it was encouraging news if some high-ranking officers didn't toe the party line. None of our captives saw any issue with the atrocities. They had boasted about how sophisticated their ideology was. Cattle ships could be stocked with true believers. Not the best sample size, I suppose. So you don't support your racist farming practices, I pressed. A growl rumbled in Isip's throat. I prefer food that doesn't talk. This war has gone on long enough, and your uh, allies have shown me that some of them can't accept predators. If we're reduced to your animal instincts, we're no different than the Federation. I can go on the instincts, fine. I'm white. Why are you telling me this? So that you understand that I'm on your side, and you'll be more forthcoming in the future compensation. If you don't push your luck, I might be able to bargain for the release of more friends. That was enough to pique my interest. Liberating any captives of Rulians might make them a bit more forgiving of the Arxor saviors. Humanity had to reward the teddy bears for their fealty somehow. They sent aid without any history between our worlds. It also meant that Isif might follow through with the Vendel deal. I still clung to the hope that one day we could end all sapient farms no matter what the Federation had done to our two species. Eating and torturing children wasn't their answer. Downplaying or excusing atrocities wasn't going to bring back London or Los Angeles. Mankind was better than that. I cracked my knuckles. How on earth are you going to sell mercy to your government? Simple. 
not phrasing it as treasonous mercy, Essop chuckled, just stating that it is a reclaiming the farming glory of our ancestors, talking about how simple prey breed quicker. I work within the powers that be. Clever thinking. I'll do what I can to uphold our bargain. Though our production capacity is limited now, human, I'm understanding, rational. Don't starve your people for this Venlil deal. What's important is that we are allies in the long run. This Arxor wasn't a feral creature that saw hunting as the life's sole joy. There was an empathic capability, many's concern for human life, and that wariness of the war was born into. He projected an aura of sincerity, in contrast to their reputation. That was more than I saw in the crocodile on their ilk. I wondered what this predator race would have been without outside interference. Thanks, Isif. If you are certain you can control your people, I'll find an amendable place for you to direct your assistance, I whispered. Humor flashed in his eyes. Anything for a friend, though I presume you don't want me to share our food stash. I hesitated. Actually, if you have extra herbivore food, it might be edible to us. We're omnivores. Ha! <laughs> you are leaf lickers, Julie noted. I'll see what I can do. This encounter went better than I anticipated. But unpleasantries were still ahead with the Zerudian call. Even if Isif had given us grounds to work with, a federation and Oxor confrontation was a powder keg, and I didn't want it going off in the soul system. Humanity had to find a way to smooth ruffled fur and keep two polar opposite species on our side. End of chapter. Chapter 54. Memory transcription subject UN Secretary General Elias Mayer. Date, standardized human time, October 18th, 2136. After bidding farewell to the Arxel commander, I made my way to the conference hall. This hotel was once a primary site for technological conventions, expensive weddings, and even celebrity events. Now, while the catering and decor was missing, it was still a lavish enough venue to feel the call to the Zarudians. My headquarters on Earth probably didn't exist anymore. The government needed a temporary base of operations. Secretary Camper extended invitations to every world leader with the option to attend virtually. Many would be unable to procure space transportation, while others wouldn't want to leave during a crisis. Sir, the Zerulian ambassador is waiting on the secure channel, Campus offered. I straightened my posture. Good. Patch him through. The adorable face that appeared on screen was enough to soften my demeanor. Chalson's brown fur looked fluffy as a cloud and reminded just as shaggy around the cub-like ears. The side-facing eyes made him look like an anxious teddy bear. I suspected that visage would fill most humans with the urge to scoop them up and hug them. The Zerudian narrowed his eyes. I stifled a giggle at how stern he was trying to look. The expression was almost comical. That would be an inappropriate reaction, given how they felt about the Oxal's arrival. It would be preferable to keep these cute aliens as allies. This is Secretary General Meyer. Thank you for taking our call, and for your timely assistance, I offered. I, uh, I'm so sorry that what happened to Earth, Charleston pawed at his nose, the forlorn twinkle in his eyes, but uh, my colleagues and I have some concerns. I believe that you didn't invite the Arxor, but you haven't tried to push them away. The consequence of aggravating the Greys would be severe and inadvisable at our current readiness. Candidly, we need help. There isn't exactly an outpouring of aid from the galactic community. The Zerulian began licking his paw, which was a species when did when thinking, 
The absent-minded grooming was distracting. I could stop my lips from curving up, despite knowing that it was a hostile gesture to their brains. The cuteness was melting away even my practice composure. Is there something amusing about not having aid for your planet, Mr. Mayor? Chowson yipped. I shook my head quickly. No, not at all, Ambassador. My apologies. Right. I've talked the Zerulian commanders into writing a more favorable report. We're going to do our best to neutralize the headlines, but I'd still expect incendiary accusations. I understand. And uh, thank you for trusting us. It wouldn't surprise me if certain media outlets ran with the Predators' scheming together narrative. Having the Oxor in our court was a fuel federation factions needed to turn on us. But I didn't care. Humanity was done crawling through the mud to appease paranoid bigots. Species were either for us or against us, and they needed to decide which side pronto. In the long run, our Zerulian neighbors looked to be decent friends. I couldn't imagine their fleet's thought process when the Oxor arrived. It would be understandable if they left at the sight of greys and humans fighting side by side. The fact that the quadruped stayed meant that it was worth justifying our position. It's the least I could do, Charleston purred. We want to help with the rescue efforts. We have thousands of hospital ships in the system you call Proxima Centauri. That's where I am now. Our military might be unimpressive, but our doctors are second to none. Medical assistance would be appreciated, Ambassador. Please. Send them at your earliest convenience. My voice took on a pleading lilt, contemplating Earth's desperation. If there's any information you need about human biology, the Venel data has given us a baseline, but the issue is sending unarmed civilians into an ox occupation. I want to help, but how do I authorize that order? You want me to get rid of the greys first? Yes. For our safety, Charleston, with respect. They haven't attacked a single one of your ships so far. I'm sure that the monsters who snack on our cubs have benevolent intentions towards the Zerillian race. I should invite them over for dinner. That's not what I meant. Human lives are but about our lives. These are good, selfless people. With an emergency service down in the metropolitan areas, there was nobody to respond to medical calls. Anyone who suffered a heart attack or sustained serious injuries was on their own. I would prefer Zerillian medics tending to our people rather than famished Arxor. That said, Isif's forces were the only protection Earth had right now. We needed both of their offerings. As I said, I'm unwilling to aggravate the Arxor now, I replied, but I am confident this commander will not attack your doctors. Chowson bared his tiny teeth. You can't be confident enough. The Arxor are not trustworthy. They're sapient-eating fiends. I know. But there are good people on Earth that need your help, and I believe the Greys will stand down if asked. Please. Trust my judgment. This one time. Oh, damn it, human. I'll send my medical ships, but if anything happens to them, this is the last Cerulean aid you're getting. They're not expendable. I inwardly cursed this gamble. Thank you. Camper, please contact the chief hunter. Let him know the inbound fleet are rescue workers and are not to be harmed. Secretary of Alien Affairs departed with haste. The Cerulean scientist began pacing in a nervous daze as he was sent to Strand's mission to its men. Humanity would remember the quadruped's heroism for generations. I didn't know how we could thank them enough. A close-knit alliance might form out of this tragedy. What am I going to do about the other friendly diplomats? They showed just how much they care for predators' lives. A bipedal sapien popped up in front of the camera, as though my thoughts summoned him. His coarse pelt was a tone of red-red fox, and his face with some white markings. 
I racked my brain, identifying him as a yodel. It was all I could do not to launch into a tirade against his inaction. What was Ambassador Lalo doing with Charlson? I am sorry about Earth, too, the marsupial barked. Humans have been the only ones that treated us as equals, rather than a charity case. I narrowed my eyes and forced myself to maintain a level tone. The Zerulians didn't mention we had company. What can I do for you? I just want you to know that we do care about what happened to humanity. Stars, I feel stupid saying this out loud. I really wish we could have helped like Chalson. Those words are easy to say, aren't they? Why didn't the Yodel raise a call or... The Zerulian ambassador watched in silence, breaking his ears in discomfort. I urged myself to rein in my fury for his sake. This wasn't a discussion to have in front of our newest allies. Holding the bystanders accountable couldn't alienate our neighbors. Lalo averted his case. We don't have our own fleet yet to send you, so uh, I guess we're useless to you. We're the newest uplifts. Guess you think that we're worthless primitives to now, too. I mulled over his explanation in silence. That did alter my perspective. If Yotel hadn't developed any military assets to mobilize, it didn't sound like the Federation had done anything more than dump technology in their lab and expect them to figure it out. Perhaps the apologetic statement was worth something. Anyhow, I, I scrounged up millions of volunteers to help you rebuild, the uplift grumbled. We have lots of untapped resources, and it's labor if you want it. We'd, uh, we, we need external transport to get to Earth. I, I, I'm sorry if my offer is so, 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 so underwhelming. I raised my hands in reassurance. We would love any help you're willing to extend. They doesn't have to come in a military form, Lalo. Maybe we can teach you a thing or two about our engineering. Really? You would do that? Of course. We're still new to the Federation technology ourselves. The two of us can figure out their secrets together. The Yotel's expression was the image of relief. As he squeezed his eyes shut, I felt sorry for the poor guy. If he was expecting the rebuke for technological deficiencies, perhaps this exchange was reason enough for me to move the goalposts. Anyone who offered assistance would be in my good graces, whether it was military or not. Some of our allies might have been too scared to fight, which could be fixed. They might have been too far away or didn't have the spare military resources. Chalson gave the uplifted a friendly nudge. You can ask us for help too. I knew I was right to bring you along. I apologize if I snapped at you, Lalo. It's been a, a difficult 48 hours, I muttered. Have you guys heard anything from the other human allied races? This is really inside. No, I'm afraid not. I pursed my lips. In no additional species expressed the slightest concern for our predicament. That lessened the possibility of extenuating circumstances. According to my sources, the Mazics and the Sivkits hadn't been partial to us. Maybe the absent races had blamed us for killing their diplomats because of our predatory compulsions. Should I even bother reaching out to any of them? My throat felt dry. Well... I appreciate both of you. Please keep in touch if you have any concerns. Chalcid waved to Paul. Wait, Mayor, I know now might not be the right time, but there was an idea I'd like to mention at least. Go on. The Zerulians and the Yodel are both interested in a human exposure program, Lalo chimed in, like you did with the Venlil at first contact. Chalcid picked his ears. Obviously, some civilians are going to be sharply exposed to rescue efforts, but I still think it's important to foster understanding and discussion. In a controlled environment. I nodded. We'd be amendable to that idea, though any human candidates will carry emotional baggage after this attack. I'll see what I can do to set that up. Excellent. 
Take care, Maya, and let me know our hospital fleet status regularly. The Cerulean terminated the call, and I flopped down on the chair with exhaustion. Human participation in an exchange program shouldn't be an issue, given how cute our helpers were. A few friends in the galaxy was a silver lining. The future ahead of us was going to be rife with war and suffering. We needed to maintain some positive relations to stay sane. I fished out my holopad and contemplated the address I was live-streaming tonight. My original speech was mired with blame and bitterness focused on revenge. There was room for such sentiment, but that was also how the Arxor ended up with such a warped ideology. What humanity needed was hope. The first word spilled out of my fingers in a burst of inspiration. To the people of the planet of Earth, you have been preyed upon by an unreasonable enemy. I know you are grieving the innocent blood that has been spilled this week. You feel hurt and anger for the loved ones taken away too soon. I share every scrap of your pain. But I want you to know is that humanity will endure, and that we are not alone. Not only do we have each other, but we have friends who stand with us. The Cerulians and the Vendel fought with us and gave us a sliver of optimism for a better life amongst the stars. It is time to unite with everyone who believes in our ideals, to stand as a single species with a single purpose. Together, we will go for the Federation's throat, relentless in the face of injustice. We will bring our enemies and our persecutors to their knees. If it takes a millennia to rectify this vendetta, humanity calls for atonement for our right to exist. When we are done, the galaxy shall know what a hunter is. My lips curled up with malice. The speech required some tweaking, but it carried a suitable degree of vengefulness. Governor Tarba would be relieved that I tempered my prior message down a notch. If humanity could unify for the purpose of destruction, then the Federation would have a genuine reason to fear us. There would be a reckoning for Earth, and I didn't know that our organization would survive it. End of chapter. Chapter 55. Memory transcription subject Captain Kalsip. Krakotl Alliance Command. Date standardized human time October 18th, 2136. Darkness had fallen over the reserve when I peeked out from the tent. Sleep had instilled new energy in my veins. There was a slim hope of escaping Earth. If we could keep away from human search parties. Now Posse needed to figure out our next move and how to transport the Predator Kid without harming him. A muffled whine echoed from behind me. I twisted around to see Arjun, bound in tightrope from head to toe. It must have woken before me and been struggling to break free. Several layers of tape had been slapped over its mouth, wasting medical gauze. I assumed Zahn didn't want to hear the human speak. Swallowing my nerves, I approached it. Shh, it's okay. I'm going to have to rip the tape off. Close your eyes. How could Zahn treat this like thoughtless animal? Predators are not. Humans were feeding sapiens. The level of bindings is both excessive and unnecessary. Something as simple as tying a bell around the leg would suffice. It didn't seem fast or stealthy. The predator child squeezed its eyes shut. I yanked its adhesive off as quickly as I could and winced at the grimace on its features. The skin by its lips carried a red patch behind. The creature refrained from biting me with its slobbery canines, which was a relief. 
I set to work untangling the series of knots. What happened if Arjun tried to take me by surprise once it was loose? He could go for my gun before I knew it hit me. I was within grappling distance, and its reflexes must be quicker than mine. The last of the rope came untangled, and the human wriggled out of its entrapments. My gaze drifted to my sidearm. I took a few steps back and barely resisted the urge to draw a weapon. The kid had faced enough hardship these past few days. It needed someone to be civilized. The watery look in its eyes. Poor thing is terrified. There's no question these wretches have feelings. I'm sorry they did that to you, Arjun. Are you okay? I asked gently. It sniffled. The only reason you're not kidding me is because you think that they'll trade resources for me. I heard you talked about me. That stopped Zahn and Jala from shooting you, didn't it? I would have let you go, trust me. I want to get you back to your family. That's bullshit. Those two aliens are evil. If you want me released, then help me get out of here. I was beginning to regret taking the tape off the thing's mouth. That competitive shouting wasn't helping anyone. It needed to keep its voice down. Mozan would realize I was trying to console the human. However, expecting an aggressive predator to keep its head was a bit overambitious. Holding the style to Krakatl's sensibility standards could be unfair. I need the doctor cooperating. My feathers puffed out in irritation. My friend with the bandages will die without him. He's a good person. Smart. Would he? The predator bared his teeth. None of you are good people. You killed millions indiscriminately. And you liked it. You don't know what you're talking about. I had to choose between hundreds of civilizations and yours. It was a terrible decision, but a necessity for the continuance of life. Every step of the way, I tried to minimize human suffering by dropping bombs on cities. Do you hear yourself? The very last moment we approached Earth, I was trying to think of another way. My own crew hates that I treat your kind with dignity and that I offer predators surrender. Then your crew are assholes. Arjun's voice sounded hoarse and its lips looked dry. How had Zahn expected it to drink water with its mouth taped shut? The Takan doctor hadn't even left rations nearby. It probably wouldn't make that hateful expert giddy if it died of dehydration. I fished through my own rations, making sure never to turn my back on the human. It would be foolish to leave myself vulnerable to pouncing or strangulation. The child watched with interest as I procured a canteen. It gulped down a bit more than I'd like, before handing the canister back. Jala's the other crocodile you saw. Her brain doesn't feel empathy or fear, I said. She can't help that she's vicious, any more than you can. In fact, Arjun is much more capable of compassion, as it has tried to appeal to my morality several times. It cares for more than its own life. The beast scowled. Humans are not vicious. You're brainwashed, Kalsum. We have lives, family, schools, jokes, songs, and games. Just like you. I'm sorry for all the beauty you've lost. But that doesn't change the truth. Tell me that you can't see humans killing or enslaving weaker cultures. That you wouldn't happily take our worlds away and reduce us to playthings. What? That's not our plan. We would never do that. Yet, you've done these things to your own kind. And we are alien, not human. You'll build your empire off our backs, one way or another. It's in your DNA. Passed on from your ancestors to little ones like you. That, uh, your growth is a threat. Arjun clenched his fists in indignation, but was distracted by its stomach growling. 
Racking my brain, I tried to recall what Noah shared about human needs. The speaker claimed that their diet was primarily vegetation, and that they could live without meat. That meant this adolescent could consume our food without issue. My talents retrieved a slab of dried tree bark. Here, stop arguing with me and eat this. Um, that doesn't look like my food. Arjun eyed the offering suspiciously. It took a hesitant nibble and then spit out the bite. It's bitter. Gross. I'm giving you my ration so you don't starve. It doesn't have to taste like your delectable, blood-filled cuisine. The kid made a disgusted face but swallowed several bites. The gagging sound it made seemed rather dramatic. You'd think that it was expelling its lungs, or that I'd fed it a corrosive poison. This ruckus was going to ensure Zahn and Jala checked on us. Few Krakotl would have gone out of their way to ensure a predator's welfare. Arjun didn't understand why its planet was attacked, but I didn't blame it for that. Nit was emotionally distressed and unable to see these matters with objectivity. Maybe the youth would come to know that I protected it in time. The Takan doctor sauntered in, wielding a pistol. Good grief, Kalsim. You've let it loose and you're feeding it. Treebark. We don't want it to lose its mind and gorge on Thion's corpse, I said. Speaking of which, where is the first officer? Don't change the feckin' subject. No, so now... Instead of being bartered for supply, this human is using up precious resources and manpower. It's a temporary loss. We don't want to offer up this kid as a walking skeleton. Why the hell not? If you keep its stomach empty, the humans will be under more of a time constraint to get it back. That's assuming predators care at all. Arjun shoved the last of the bark at its mouth, inching away from Zahn. Its cheeks were tear-stained, but absolute hatred shone in his pupils as well. I couldn't imagine how overwhelming the predatory chemicals flowing through its veins were. The doctor's lack of compassion was staggering, with how cold his suggestion of salvation was. You would think that he had Jala's disorder. I fixed the Takan with a glare. First off, we would encourage the humans to treat us the same in kind. This predator doesn't deserve to suffer for existing... It has suffered enough pain and heartache today. The physician swished it to jail. You're so worried about its feigned emotions. Why do you care what it feels? Pick you. I'm not in it. The human growled. Zahn charged the kid, rearing back with his fire up. The doctor trembled with anger as he swung the gun towards its head. The predator's binocular gaze widened in alarm. I couldn't let it be beaten to a pulp for speaking its mind. Then all it had done was complain about our language. Arjun had a family and a future out there, which was jeopardized by the Takan's malice. The more I considered our conversation, its intelligence was impressive for a child. Granted, it would help propagate the survival of the human race, but that seemed like a likely probability, no matter what. So what did harming it achieve? I don't want to see it in pain, or worse, end up like Thion. Without realizing I had moved, I stretched my wings into the strike path. Zahn was committed to the blow by the time I destructed his ankle. The metal gun connected with my soft tissue. While the human cowered behind the feathery shield, pain flared down my left appendage, resonating to the bone. The throbbing sensation was nauseating, then a single glance told me it was broken. Crap! You broke my wing! I screeched, doubling over in anguish. What if it had been Arjun's head? You could have cracked his skull. 
The doctor leveled his gun barrel at me. His! My eyes widened as I realized my slip of the tongue. I shook my head, trying to filter away any positive assessments of Arjun. The kid was lying prone on the floor, and its eyes were bulging. If their tools and pack were taken away, humans weren't competent predators. I was the only one that could protect this beast. Zahn's concentration waned as a squawking Jala landed behind him. I took the opportunity to wrench the gun from his grip with my good wing. Ironically, I could use his services to patch the broken bone up. The pain intensified with the slightest movement or vibrations. The Takan hadn't even flinched at assaulting me. I brandished the firearm awkwardly. Mutiny is punishable by death unless the captain is deemed unfit for command. Why shouldn't I carry out your sentence? Calsum, put the gun down, the doctor stammered. You're being unreasonable. I'm being unreasonable. Then what in Nishtal can I call you? Jala issued a hearty laugh. <laughs> what did I miss? The female crocodile's eyes started behind him, and she drew her own firearm. Arjun had capitalized on the chaos, making a break for the exit. The humans skidded to a halt once the armed sociopath blocked its path. After witnessing how slippery Terran forces were, I really should have been paying more attention to it. I hope Jala doesn't make any hasty decisions here. Don proved himself to a threat to crew safety and this mission. I lowered the pistol and noted the contempt in the doctor's eyes. But he's not going to disobey orders again, is he? The Takan sighed. <sighs> no, sir. Your wing isn't supposed to bend like that, Kelsum, Jala chuckled. I struggled to ignore the searing pain. Tell me something I don't know. Ugh. Go on, laugh at my misfortune later. Is this something you need? I circled the perimeter from the skies and spotted a human a few clicks away. It's heading towards our position, and, uh, it's armed. Arjun mustered a feral snarl. Dad! Panic swelled in my chest at the thought of the Terrans converging on our position. Confronting Arjun's father was an option, but we didn't know what that was alone. The photographer might notice that something was wrong and alert authorities. Humans were dangerous without the element of surprise. It was unclear whether our small posse could survive direct combat. It would be in our best interest to leave the kid, and that was what my conscience demanded. However, that plan wouldn't be popular with my companions. With a crippled wing, taking on Jala and Zahn was an incredible risk. Both could aim guns without difficulty, and a flight-worthy crocodile could maneuver freely. More important, the doctor's incapacitation would damn Thion. That was the main reason I couldn't punish this mutiny. The Farsal's life took precedence of Arjun's welfare, plain and simple. I had to keep it together until Thion regained consciousness. It's time to move, I decided. Where is your patience, on? The doctor scowled. Thion is safe. Jala crafted a pulley system and put him up in a nearby tree. Predators won't get to him there, though I can't speak for humans finding him. Good. We need to hurry before dozens of full-grown beasts descend on us. We'll come back as soon as the human activity cools off. Jala began collecting our supplies, as well as anything Arjun had that was useful. I steered the kid out into the open, trying to be gentle with my gun prodding. Intimidating it wasn't my desire, but we needed to move quickly. There was no time for diplomatic approach. Arjun looked around in desperation as we staggered out of the encampment. I knew it wanted to be rescued, 
That pleading gaze reminded me of the burning pups praying to be saved from their extermination. Why did it have to jog up those memories with every expression? I thought that I was past that guilt. Dad, help! The kid screamed. There! I clapped my good wing over its mouth. You idiot! Are you trying to get yourself killed? Zahn passed me a roll of medical calls, a conceited glint in his eye. I could hear the words told you so from the smug doctor. He scowled at the human, tracing a toe over his own throat slowly. The child swallowed, and I suppose it's understood its gesture. I applied a single layer of tape and offered a sympathetic pat. The predator hadn't left much choice other than to gag it. Not only could that wading cry have alerted his father, but it could have drawn attention from the forest beasts. That squashed all hopes of Arjun's guardian accepting a disappearance as tragic accident. Its suspicions were going to be elevated, and its protective instincts would seek answers. Our entourage was about to find out how exactly good humans were at attacking. End of story. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Casper Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barky, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.